The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. You can email me, I am Bruce Almighty at yahoo.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to you. Thanks for joining me. Now, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but there's been this thing going on, this training camp thing that's been happening, and we haven't talked about it. And that's been by design. And the reason that is, is because I don't really like going on the roller coaster that comes from the day-to-day observations and the tweet-to-tweet observations of training camp. I prefer instead to wait until we have statistically significant data and then evaluate that. Of course, I lie because there's a part of me that absolutely loves that because I'm so starved for sports and football in particular, that I live and die by just that one tweet that said Josh Allen threw himself a butte. But it's been long enough now that we have statistically significant data where we can do some observing. And specifically, we can do what I like to call, I am affectionately calling for the purposes of this podcast, observation aggregation. Kind of sounds like conjunction junction. What's your function? Or, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking of like Willy Wonka-ish song, sing-songy observation aggregation. Come with me and you'll see some good observation aggregation. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally going to leave that in. I'm not even cutting that. We're going to do some observation aggregation. It's going to be amazing. And before I start aggregating that information, it should be noted that The Bills media, who has been there every day, has helped compile this information. And I'm going to go ahead and name you 
the people who have done their jobs to help us obtain this information. I have said in the past, I will say it again. I will say it until I'm blue in the face. I have lived in major media markets all over the country. The Buffalo Bills specifically, the media members that cover the Buffalo Bills are better than any singular group of media members I have ever been around in my entire life. I don't even live in the Buffalo media market. You all know this. I live in Cleveland media market. The Bills beat reporters and media who cover the team are better than any other group I have ever seen. Specifically, the following people, Joe Buscalia, Matt Fairburn, John Scott, Thad Brown, Sal Capaccio, Matt Perino, Josh Reed, Marcel Louis-Jacques, Jay Skursky, Vic Carucci, Ashley Holder, Dan Fates, Jason Wolf, Ryan Talbot, Sal Mariorana, John Warrow, Matt Beauvais, Heather Prusak, Alexa Ross, Mike Catalana. These are people who are asking questions in the press conferences, and they're there on the field trying to zoom in their cell phone cameras so they can get us every little bit of piece of information that they can. And they should be commended. They should be commended for that. They're excellent at their jobs. And they make everything about being a Bills fan more enjoyable because of what they're able to do. Now, it should also be noted that there are certain restrictions this year on what the media cannot say and what they can say. Specifically, who's running with what team. I can't tell you if Cody Ford is the first team right tackle or the first team right guard. They're not allowed to talk about it. There are competitive advantages that the teams specifically have decided to maximize by minimizing that type of information, specific strategy, and what they call opportunity groups. But those people need to be given credit because that's where this observation aggregation comes from. It comes from aggregating the observations of those people. Let's start with Josh Allen. All accounts are that Josh Allen has looked good. Some days better than others. Obviously, you're going to have that. But specifically, they're talking about the trajectory on the deep ball and the mechanics. There have been numerous videos making their way around social media, evaluating Josh Allen's mechanics in this training camp versus some of the games that he played last year, and specifically comparing previous training camps. And I will admit, I was one of the people who said, I think that trajectory on his deep ball looks different. I think the way he's throwing that deep ball is different. And that's great. And that's good. It's not worth signing uh, a bet to have Josh Allen be the MVP over because I'll never forget that when Tim Tebow came out and his mechanics were a mess and he dropped the ball down by his belt loops to throw it and this huge looping motion that was incredibly slow and everyone was saying, well, you know, he's got such a great work ethic. He can absolutely do it. And he showed up to off season and he had a notably shortened release. And then the second when the guns started firing and the play started coming in live fire NFL reps, he reverted right back to that long looping motion. So having Josh Allen's mechanics be better in training camp than they were before is good. But it only means that it's good for right now. We still have to be able to see it in games, but it's encouraging that he's able to make those adjustments and start connecting on deep balls. Specifically, 
deep balls to Gabriel Davis. But we're going to come back to that. Cole Beasley made a comment that kind of stuck its way into the national media recently, where he said that Josh Allen is, quote, even throwing people open. And that was the term that really took a lot of national media members off of their seats to uh, stand and start to fight the Josh Allen narrative. Start to maybe laugh a little bit at Josh Allen. Oh, look at that. He's even throwing people open. He's doing some basic quarterback stuff. Hardy, 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 hard. You know how it is. Throwing people open is an elite quarterback trait. It's really important we talk about this. They talk about it like some it's elementary quarterback trait, and it's not. There are far more quarterbacks in the NFL that don't throw people open than there are quarterbacks who throw the people open. Also, it's a trait that Josh Allen hasn't had to really have thus far in his career because he has a cannon. You have heard me talk about previously how the need for anticipation and the arm strength that you have are correlative. They're inversely correlative because the more of one you have, the less of the other you need. If you're able to throw with anticipation, you can make up for a less than ideal arm. And if you have an amazing arm, you can make up for not throwing with the greatest amounts of anticipation, specifically against zone. And Josh Allen being able to do that is the next step in the process. Are we all just going to forget that Josh Allen came to the league with like 600 pass attempts? In college, some scouts estimated he was 10,000 reps behind Baker Mayfield coming out based on the amount of passes they threw in practice, based on the amount of passes they threw in a game, 10,000 reps behind. So you know what? If he's building that skill year three, I'm fine with that. We talked about Steve McNair. We talked about Donovan McNabb, what I considered to be the absolute best case scenarios for Josh Allen. We talked about how they were below average passers for the first couple years of their career. Why don't we ever want people to develop? We just don't want that out of people. Oh, ha ha ha. He's doing that thing that we think all quarterbacks should do. You're right. All elite quarterbacks should do that, which is why it's a good thing. Why are we laughing at this? I don't understand. Throwing people open is a high-level trait. And if you're doing a high-level trait in a complicated offense like Brian Dable runs, that's a good thing. Shouldn't we be commending this instead of laughing at it? I don't understand. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. Maybe the national media is just threatened that their narratives aren't going to be good anymore. I'm not. I'm not threatened by that. Josh Allen ends up being good. I take the L. I move on. I didn't say he was going to end up being good when he came out. And I'm the one who has to talk to Bills fans all day. So if I'm not afraid to take the L if necessary, why should the national media be afraid to take the L if necessary? Doesn't make any sense. But Allen isn't the only thing happening at training camp. We have a kicker battle going on. And thankfully, specifically at The Athletic, we have a beat reporter who is just nerdy enough to keep track of all of the reps in a kicking competition thank you so much joe biscalia 
His most recent article for The Athletic, by the way, buy The Athletic, buy a subscription, couple bucks a month, it's worth it for the content you get. Really good things are worth paying for, and really good people are worth supporting. That's my soapbox on that. Through 825, the Bills kicking competition looked like this. Steven Hauschka was 17 of 21, 81%. Six of six from 30 to 39 yards. Seven of seven from 40 to 49 yards. Tyler Bass, 25 of 31, 80.6% field goal percentage. Eight of eight, 30 to 39, 12 of 15, 40 to 49. So until the 825 practice, Tyler Bass was a little behind. But he had a really good day and caught up. And I'd say they're very even. I think Ty goes to Bass. I really do. Based on what Brandon Bean said in the offseason about wanting to have someone who gives them the option of being able to kick those long field goals, I think Ty goes to Tyler Bass. I really do. So if it's close, I think it goes to Bass. Not just because of the money. The money's not a huge deal, but it's a little bit. It's also because the cost controlled for longer. And you think there's upside. You think there's development there. So I think Ty goes to Tyler Bass. And right now, I'd say it's a tie. So if it stays like this, I think it goes to Tyler Bass. But it might not. He might fall off. This is a really important year for the Bills. And you might not want to entrust that with a rookie that you don't think you can trust. Moving along, Josh Norman looked rocky and then he got hurt. Hamstring. The last thing Josh Norman needs is something that will slow him down further. I am worried. I was worried when Josh Norman was the CB2 ostensibly. I'm worried now. The Bills don't seem as worried as I am. Maybe that's because they don't think Josh Norman's hamstring is of significant concern. Levi Wallace is a okay CB2. I really wanted to do better than that spot. I'm worried about hamstrings having a tendency to linger, especially in older players. Older players who have to burst and pop out of their stance like cornerbacks do. Get low, stretch those hammies. I'm worried. We'll see. The two former Carolina Panthers, Daryl Williams and Mario Addison, look good. This is the benefit of having Eric Washington and Mario Addison. Mario Addison doesn't have to learn a bunch of new techniques that Eric Washington wasn't teaching him last year when he was in Carolina. He understands what to do. He can hit the ground running. He can fill the spot that was left by the departing Shaq Lawson and not have to worry about the adjustment being crazy because of this weird offseason. Daryl Williams might finally be healthy again. Maybe 2018 and 2019 were just him not being healthy again. And maybe we can revert back to 2017 form. We're not sure yet, but all reports are that he's looked good. The rookie wide receivers, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah Hodgins. If you haven't done so, listen to the Breaking Buffalo rumblings that dropped on Wednesday, where Anthony Marino talked to the SB Nation editor who was in charge of the UCF blog who got a chance to talk a little bit about Gabe Davis. So far, the scouting reports on Gabe Davis have proven true. He's got an excellent frame, deceptive deep speed, tracks the ball well, can make contested catches. 
Most of the stuff I've seen from Gabe Davis has been vertical, which totally tracks with the scouting report. Robert Foster provided this team with two roles, one in 2018 and one in 2019. In 2018, he provided the team with a deep threat, that deep over threat that they love to run so much in the Brian Dables offense and that Josh Allen and him were able to connect on multiple times. In 2019, he provided a special teams assistance. There's a chance that both his jobs are gone. Gabe Davis may have taken the vertical aspect from him. Taiwan Jones, if he's able to regain his health, will have taken the ability to gun from Robert Foster. There's a very, very reasonable chance that both of the things that Robert Foster has managed to contribute to the Buffalo Bills over the last two years have been usurped from him. And that's important to note as we're projecting the 53-man roster. I like Isaiah Hodgins. I mentioned before that I actually had a slightly higher grade on Isaiah Hodgins than I did on Gabriel Davis. I think that there is a David Nelson-like big slot potential for Isaiah Hodgins, who has unbelievable hands. I think he adds a dynamic aspect to the offense that you don't get otherwise. Don't tell me Duke Williams. Duke Williams doesn't have the hands that Isaiah Hodgins has. He's bigger, thicker, not taller, not longer, but thicker. But Duke Williams is not your big slot. He doesn't have the hands for it. While we're on the topic of receivers, Stefan Diggs has been described as all of the following things. Elite, special, dynamic. Those are the things that beat reporters and people who have seen him have said that he is. That it's clear just from watching him run routes and catch the ball in 11-on-11 and against air that he's the best receiver on this team. And that's what a player of that caliber should look like. I recall when Terrell Owens was a Buffalo Bill, and Terrell Owens was on the backside of his career, but his teammates constantly marveled at how he practiced. And he practiced with such an incredible intensity, an incredible competitive spirit that it elevated the rest of the team to try and match that intensity. Stephon Diggs brings that to this team. Stephon Diggs brings that from all accounts, that extra level of competitiveness. Jordan Poyer said it. He knows. The players know that this guy is special and he's going to bring it every single rep. And if I want to make sure that I'm winning, I got to bring it every single rep. That's good. They should be commended for elevating their play when they see someone across from them who they know is going to bring it. And Stefan Diggs brings it. There was a period of time during a practice that recently occurred where Josh Allen had 9 of 15 targets go his way. They're trying to accelerate that chemistry, which is valuable. Reggie Gilliam is someone we're going to talk about tomorrow. But I thought that Heath Farwell kind of opened eyes when he said it's a great battle. It's a great battle, implying that there's a, there's a reasonable chance that there's an outside opinion of a competition here. It's not a foregone conclusion that Patrick DeMarco is going to make the team. There are lots of things in Patrick DeMarco's favor. 
He played the 10th most special team snaps last year. He's a leader in the locker room. And this is important. Does he count as the vet in the running back room? We're going to talk about that a little bit tomorrow. We talk about fullbacks. If you have two young players in Zach Moss and Devin Singletary in the running back room, and Taiwan Jones is a special teamer, and you're Sean McDermott, do you count Taiwan Jones as the quote unquote the vet in the running back room? Or does that become Patrick DeMarco? Are you going too young at that position if you keep Reggie Gilliam and not Patrick DeMarco? So we're going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow. But the fact that Heath Farwell was willing to say, hey, there's a battle there. Shout out to Ryan Talbot, NYUP, Syracuse.com, for his article on Reggie Gilliam. Nick Bat put an article about it on Buffalo Rumblings and how Heath Farwell talked about it. So we're going to talk about the fullbacks tomorrow. These are some of the observations that have been trending around Bill's training camp the last couple of weeks. And I just want to take one second, just kind of throw them all in one spot. I read all the articles. I listened to all the podcasts. You should too, by the way. But if you wanted to aggregate them all in one spot, this is where it was. Big shout out to the Bills media for everything that they do and contribute. Now we are all caught up. Tomorrow we can talk about fullbacks and then we can go into the last week of camp next week. Can you believe we're in the last week of camp already? Next week? Oh, I'm ready for real football. Let's do it, folks. Because that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. Buffalo Rumblings.